Hello, and welcome to the Peregrine Podcast from the Hoover Institution, offering insight and analysis on the issues facing America on the topic of immigration. I'm your host, Troy Sinek, and joining us today is the editor of Peregrine, Timothy Kane, also an economist and research fellow at the Hoover Institution. Tim, thanks for being with us. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. So let's start in sort of the obvious place. When Peregrine rolled out earlier this year, uh, there was an anticipation that this might be the year of immigration reform, and it has, I don't need to tell you, uh, not been. So what happened? What what occurred uh, between that first publication and today that changed the expectation of what this year was going to be? You know, I, we looked at the year 2014 as an analog to some other presidents and, and this point in their term, their sixth year. Um, often great policy was uh, affected. In, in fact, immigration reform passed in the sixth year of uh, President Reagan's term back in 1986, as well as the last major overhaul of the income tax. So, you know, we, we had high hopes that maybe the, the setup was right for um, for some consensus building. But unfortunately, the uh, partisan politics on, on Capitol Hill on the legislative side got in the way. Um, the Senate, you may remember, passed a big comprehensive immigration bill to great fanfare. They had uh, a lot of Republican senators sign on to it. Unfortunately, comprehensive reform has passed the Senate many times before, and it can't seem to get through the House. We're, we're going back to when President Bush was in office. Uh, there were two swings at comprehensive reform. And, um, and, and so it's been a real puzzle that comprehensive just seems to fail. Right. What about the outside dynamics where that's concerned? A lot of people were quick to place blame on this influx of children from Central America that came over the course of the summer. Do you think that that maybe gets too much credit for de derailing this? It was just a convenient narrative for the press. How real was the effect there? Well, no, what, de what that derailed, when the influx of children immigrants who were claiming to be victims of uh, human trafficking, um, they were able to come to America and be accepted not as illegals but as asylum seekers according to a law that was passed in 2008. Now, how you, how you interpret that law is a separate question. What that derailed was not the legislative momentum because there was no legislative momentum. Um, at that point, President Obama had said, I'm so frustrated. We, you know, America can't wait. I'm going to take executive action. Uh, and that was very controversial. Um, you know, the whole notion that he couldn't wait. Well, why did he wait when he, you know, the Democrats controlled the House and the Senate? So it was already controversial, that notion of, of not doing something with Congress. Uh, but then when the children were arriving at the border, and in fact, that was a very dangerous crossing. A lot of children didn't make the passage. Um, the, uh, people were very critical of what the White House had done, and they backed off. Let me ask you about the, the very concept of comprehensive immigration reform because one of the hurdles that you run up against anytime you talk about this issue, it's been a subject of discussion on several of the podcasts that we've done in this series, is the idea that you can't really tackle immigration reform piece by piece. And on one side, the defenders of that view say, look, there are way too many interconnected parts here. You have to sort of synchronize all of them. The contending view is, well, we have experience, recent experience with big and sweeping and oftentimes as a result <laughs> impenetrable legislation. What, that, what could you mean? Right, right. That, that, you know, that, that's, that's what Obamacare was. That's what Dodd-Frank was. So the question on that side becomes why on earth would we want to take the same approach to something as important as immigration? W which of those approaches strikes you as, as closer to correct? 
Well, I, I used to be on the comprehensive team. I was uh, helping barnstorm the country along with the coalition um, back uh, seven years ago, eight years ago, uh, when, when, when we thought the Senate had a comprehensive approach that the White House, the Bush White House supported. I, I thought that was the way to go. And, and in fact, this is exactly what President Obama said to the Silicon Valley leaders when he came out famously and had you know dinner with – uh, Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg, and they said, why, why can't you just solve some little problems here um, with, say, H-1B visas, high-tech visas, people, you know, engineers, we need to keep Silicon Valley competitive. And he said, oh, no, no, it has to be this all-or-nothing approach. Um, and I think the reason my mind changed and a lot of other people have changed their mind is all-or-nothing has led to nothing way too many times. Um, and so, we're in baseball season now. Uh, three strikes are out. Seems like a good rule of thumb. It, it's just done. This whole approach is not working. And what I found, and I think what we found with Peregrine was, when we dug into the survey, we, we realized why it has failed. And I want to talk about that survey because one of the things that you do is lay out a number of sort of discrete individualized uh, policy solutions that could be taken on. You've organized a poll of about uh, three dozen specialists on immigration policy, members of Hoover's working group, people from a fairly broad background. So um, I want to explore some of the areas from that poll. Let's start first with these policy reforms. You surveyed these folks on a wide variety of potential policy fixes on immigration. What sorts of measures generated the highest level of consensus? So we, our whole approach with Peregrine is to set the table for a future Congress, maybe this president, maybe a future president, on are there any areas of consensus or is it just so controversial here yeah, you have to make this um, sort of comprehensive approach. And we found – Gosh, one of our um, one of our ideas got 97% support, and so every issue of Peregrine will will survey the group of experts, left, right, and center. And um, let's see, this most recent one we focused the issue on guest worker visas, and um, what we found was uh, one of the ideas was just to simply reduce the bureaucracy. Now that sounds like you know sort of standard. Everybody wants to reduce bureaucracy. Among the experts, that has a particular meaning because they know what the bureaucracy entails. And we had 86% of the experts agreed um, that that's something that should be done with the existing H-2 visa program. Um, another one was just to have unlimited high-skill work visas. So people with engineering and science degrees don't cap the number that can come here every year. Right now it is capped. So that idea had 65% uh, support. So we, we've established there are some building blocks for incremental reform that really don't need a comprehensive solution to get majority support. Let me bring you to another question that always comes up in this discussion. Again, it's one that we've discussed in, in other podcasts um, and it's relevant because you pulled on this. Anytime you have this discussion about immigration, you will hear people ask why, especially in the present economic environment, uh, why would you make it easier for workers to come into this country and compete with American labor? It's going to make it harder for them to get a job. It could put downward pressure on their wages. What did the experts have to say about those concerns? Well, so just, just as an economist, I'll tell you that, that that's a valid concern, but it's also a valid concern to worry that why have free trade when there's a recession, right? Because gee whiz, all that stuff's coming in to compete with American-made products. Right. And yet what we've learned in the last hundred years is that when you do have um, 
blocks on trade uh, due to recessions. It actually makes recessions worse because you're not looking at the opposite side of the equation, right? So free trade brings in cheaper goods, which poor people need when times are tough. Labor as well brings in more demand for our goods, more demand for housing, um, keeps housing construction costs lower. So, you know, it, it, the, the logic is really identical, that there are pluses and minuses, and the pluses outweigh the minuses, whether it's a boom or a bust time. Um, so we, we asked if people uh, or experts thought that uh, m- making that sort of cyclicality a good idea, and, uh, and, and it didn't have much support. And then, but, but like I said, our real focus in this one was what do you do with a, a work visa? Um, should that have seasonality to it or some other features that are more important? And, and we found some that, that are uh, strongly supported. One other question on the polling. You mentioned it earlier that earlier this year in the summer, it looked as if President Obama might take unilateral executive action on immigration. A- after a lot of noise, he seems to have shelved that for now, although it sounds yeah. like the administration would still like to do something just after the midterms have passed. Uh, what was the feeling in the polling amongst the members of the group on the president's approach? Well, so so we wanted to ask if people thought this was a good idea. You know, should uh, should the this, uh, this executive action um, be taken if Congress fails to act. Um, 49% of the respondents, and this was the, the question that got the highest uh, agreement, was that would establish a dangerous precedent. Right? So if this president does it, who knows what the next or the next president will do. Um, and then we tried to figure out who's really to blame. Um, you often hear that it's the Republicans' fault for partisanship. Uh, only 31% of respondents said that it was Republicans. Almost the same number pointed their fingers at Democrats. Um, but the, the real kicker was, is this an effective way to change policy? Uh, four out of the 35 experts thought it was a, an effective way to change policy. So probably not the way to go. So uh, it's interesting, as you indicated, there, there's a fair amount of consensus amongst the, the members of the group on several of the, the policy issues that are presented here. And the, the question that inevitably stems from that, what's the, what's the disconnect between the experts and the elected officials? If you can carve out this much common ground amongst a fairly diverse group of people intellectually, why by contrast has it proven so hard to get any legislation out of Congress? Yeah, so I think there's question number four in our survey was the one where where we asked people to evaluate a guest worker program, like what features should it have in it? And um, what we found were some of the least popular components, like one idea had 6% support, um, others had 14%. So these, these are not things you want in your guest worker program. And yet it's those pieces that were in the Senate's comprehensive bill. You know, so that there's a big question mark. Why would something that the experts do not recommend um, be in the final bill? And I think it's because politicians are actually trying to keep the fight going. All right. They, they would rather fight over this issue. I mean, if immigration gets solved, what's the extreme left congressman or the extreme right congresswoman going to say uh, to their to their constituents? You know, right now they're fighting the good fight and stopping something bad from happening or stopping right. those evil guys on the other side. So, you know, I've gotten a little cynical about their incentives, or maybe just opened my eyes that their incentives maybe <laughs> aren't maybe aren't good policy, and it's reelection. And so, you know, this is the, the Hoover Institution is trying to fight uh, to get the focus back on policy and away from the politics. Oh, and and I didn't mean to hide the ball on you guys. One of the ideas um, that's in the Senate bill, and it's in most new comprehensive bills on immigration, is that any U.S. employer that would actually hire a foreign worker. 
um, would have to guarantee that this didn't affect any American worker and would also promise not to um, lay off any of their U.S. employees during a six-month window. Well, you know, is General Electric going to not lay anybody off, even for cause, right, an embezzler or a sexual predator they find on staff? And that's a ridiculous standard to, to expose them to a lawsuit. So that's not pro-immigrant. That's an anti-immigrant component that, uh, that somehow got in the bill, right? And, of course, a lot of people realize we just don't need these sort of extra bureaucratic rules. Right. So final question. I'm going to ask you to engage in a little bit of political forecasting, not because that's your trade of choice, but because you're, you're probably as well positioned as anyone to give the audience a generalized sense of the way you feel the underlying dynamics are going here. Um, Ten years ago, George W. Bush gets elected to a second term. There's a fair amount of confidence, confidence slash hope that he's going to get immigration reform done before his presidency is over. Two years ago, Barack Obama is reelected. And there's a fair amount of confidence slash hope that he will get immigration reform done before his presidency is over. Right. Another one of which, of course, has happened, although Obama's still got time on the clock. But the question for you, best guess, six years from now, whoever the next president is, is presumably up for reelection. Is this issue still simmering then or will we have fixed it or at least addressed some of the major components by then? So – I would predict we're going to see movement, and I think it's because I've talked to staffers on Capitol Hill, and, and I'd like to claim credit for, for pointing this direction, but there was already a movement that comprehensive approaches failed, um, the constituents involved, the coalition they were trying to build is not a coalition that's working. And so, um, yeah, let's look at these incremental ideas, and there's a lot of frustration among each of the what you might call interest groups. And the Silicon Valley has got their interests. Uh, the, the farmers and the agricultural sector has their interests. Nobody's satisfied with this comprehensive approach. And, you know, you look at guys like uh, Senator Marco Rubio, um, who said we need to do incremental reform in the future. This is a presidential, potential presidential candidate. Um, but the real big, the big news in this story is that for over a year now, Speaker John Boehner, has said, we're going to do a piecemeal approach. We're just done with, with comprehensive. And Harry Reid would not, Harry Reid, the leader of the Senate, would not come to terms, wouldn't have negotiations. Well, Harry Reid just wanted to keep you know, fighting over the issue. But that, the slate is clear now once we have these, this next round of congressional elections. We'll get a new Senate, a new Congress. No matter which party runs them, they'll, they'll have to take a look afresh, and it's going to be incremental. Um, that's the only game left. So I'm, I'm really confident that's the short answer. All right. Well, our guest has been Timothy Kane, editor of Hoover's Immigration Journal, Peregrine, as well as economist and research fellow at the Hoover Institution. Tim, thanks for joining us. You bet. My pleasure. For the Hoover Institution, I'm Troy Sinek. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution. For more information about our work, please visit hoover.org.